Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Really? Everybody's good? I'm glad to hear it. Sometimes I think we just say that. I don't know. If this is your first time, we want to say thank you for coming. We want to welcome you, whether it's in this room in person or whether you're catching us online. Uh, we want to say thank you. Believe it or not, we planned and prepared this week, every week, in prayer and in preparation around this campus so that you would be here. So we're glad that you're here. Uh, I do want to say I am not our senior pastor. My name is Rob Bellamy. I'm one of our staff pastors. And you need to come back and connect and hear our senior pastor. Uh, you need to hear the heart of the man that helped build this platform, that helped build the ministry here that all of us get to enjoy and appreciate. You need to hear his heart. You want to come be part of that. And if you connect next Sunday, you'll also get to help us celebrate 40 years of being a tree of life. Yeah. To a lost and hurting world. That is a huge, huge deal. And we want you to be part of that. I think it'd be a great service to connect a friend to so that they could see exactly what they get to be part of if they connect with tree. Um, the reason I am speaking today is because our senior pastors, Pastor Don and Pastor Jessamy, are finishing up a vacation that they took at the end of a missions trip that we just had. And so what I want to do, I want to pray for them. We want them to be able to rest and refresh and unplug. Uh, I'm Pastor Don. I know you're watching. Hey, just take some chill time. We want you to come back refreshed and rejuvenated. We love you. And so we want to pray for them. And then we also want to pray for summer camp. Summer camp is coming. Does anybody in this room have a student going to summer camp? I see some hands. You want God to erupt in their life. You want them to encounter the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that they can be changed, transformed, and be ready for this school year and ready for the rest of their lives to make a difference, to go out and be world changers. And so we want to cover that in prayer because I know that that's Pastor Dave and his team's heart. They've been preparing for that to happen. And the word says that when we agree in prayer, powerful things happen. Things change. As Pastor Cody just said on Tree TV, significant, important things happen when we pray. So let's cover those things in prayer and then we're going to jump into the word. Father in heaven, first and foremost, we just want to say thank you for this place. Thank you for a tree of life to a lost and hurting world that we all get to be part of. And Father, we thank you for our senior pastors, Pastor Don and Pastor Jessamy. Truth be told, I know they stand on the, on the backs of the people that came before them, that they, they stand on the legacy that mom and dad built. But Father, we get to enjoy what we enjoy. We get to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world because of Pastor Don and Pastor Jessamy. And Father, we pray that right now where they're at, 
that Father, they're able to just completely and utterly relax so that they can be rejuvenated, refreshed, and filled by you, Father. They spend their days pouring out to make sure that ministry happens in this house. So we pray that in that, Father, that right now, for the remaining few days they have in their vacation, that you fill them up to overflowing, Father. I pray that their sleep is sweet when their head hits the pillow at night or if it's an afternoon nap. Father, I pray that they encounter your presence because they want to make sure that everybody that comes here encounters your presence. And your word says because they've sowed that, that they should reap that in their own lives. We pray together, collectively, that they encounter you in a new way and that you fill them, Holy One. And Father, we pray for their travels that as they return home, that everything falls into place. There's no chaos at the airports, on taxi rides to the airport, that there's no chaos in any of that, Father, that it's peaceful, that all the arrangements happen, that all the details fall into place, Father, that they get good flights, Father, that there's no turbulence on their flights, Father, that there's no sickness around them because your word says, because you're their refuge, that deadly disease doesn't get on them, that, Father, they encounter your peace, your presence, and your mercy in every single step that they take in this vacation and on their return home. Father, we believe you for it and we ask you for it. And then, Daddy, we pray for summer camp. It's coming up this week. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Dave and for what you've put in his heart and what you've put in the team's heart, that, Father, you give them wisdom and direction to pour into the, the students that are coming. And Father, we pray for those students. We pray that even right now there would be an expectation growing in their hearts, Holy One, that there'd be an anticipation that you're going to show up, that you're going to move, that their lives are going to be radically changed and transformed by going to camp. We pray that any of the details that still need to happen, that they just fall into place, that there's everybody that needs to be in place, all of the, all of the leaders, the teachers, everything that needs to happen, that it is all in place, Holy One, and that every single student that comes leaves completely radically changed and transformed, ready for what you have for them, Father, that you pour mission into their hearts in that camp, Father, that you meet their needs, whatever they're coming needing, Father, that you heal them from any brokenness that's in them, and then you fill them to overflowing to go and impact the world around them. And then, Daddy, last but not least, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word today. And Father, I pray that if there's any distractions, I know that the enemy would try to come and get people thinking about a job situation, a family situation, a health situation. Father, we just pray that right now those things subside in Jesus' name, that our hearts are ready and prepared to receive your word. We say come and have your way. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, y'all are dismissed. There we go. We just had church. How's that? Whew, I don't even need these notes. <laughs> I get to wrap up the series that we've been in. We've been in the series, Love Thy Neighbor. And Pastor Eric kicked it off for us. And my takeaway from that was that we are all some people. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. I don't want to re-preach everybody's message, but all of the messages flavor this at some level. And then that was followed by Pastor Cody. And, and he taught on the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I'm going to bring out as well. I'm going to teach a little differently from it. He brought up the steps that love takes. And then in that, he reminded all of us that we are anointed to heal. We are anointed to heal as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And then last week, Pastor Dave preached. And when, when he began to preach, the thing that stuck out to me the most 
was when he said, sometimes we do really great loving God. And sometimes we can do a pretty good job of loving our neighbor. The problem is, is that when we look in the mirror, we don't love that person. And truth be told, if you don't love that person that's in the mirror, it's really difficult to love others properly. But when you love that individual, you see the value of God in everyone around you. So create message. If you missed any of those, excuse me, I got choked up thinking about it. If you missed any of those, please go back. Go back and watch them on the stream. You don't want to miss any of those things. And today I'm going to dive into the parable of the Good Samaritan as well. And I, and I want to keep as a frame of reference in mind that, that the parable of the Good Samaritan was a very challenging parable to the audience that Jesus was talking to. He wasn't just talking to this one individual that asked him a question. His disciples were with him for one thing. And more than likely, he was in a teaching environment with other people around because the individual that questioned him said, it says he stood up and said, teacher. So it's not like they were sitting at the local falafel joint eating a bagel. This was a teaching environment and a teaching moment. And so there were people in that room and what Jesus dove into was so challenging for them. And truth be told, it should be very challenging for us today as well. So let's take a look at Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he, the gentleman asking the question, wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he did see him. He passed by on the other side and so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Both these, both these gents saw him. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which was uh, a couple days' wages, at least, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Here's a religious expert. He understood the law. He had studied the law. He had memorized the law. And he serves up this interesting question, which I personally believe is the wrong question. We're going to see that in a minute. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And ultimately he was an expert of the law. So he, he knew the answer. Like he knew what the law said, but he was testing Jesus. Our text says so, it says that he was testing Jesus. He wasn't, he wasn't really trying, trying to to acquiesce or submit to whatever Jesus said. He was trying to throw Jesus a curveball. He was like, 
man, I'm going to slam Jesus into a corner at hundred miles an hour and see how he handles. That's what his heart was in it. He didn't have a right heart in it. And ultimately he called him teacher, but he wasn't, he wasn't really looking to him in that moment as his teacher. But Jesus was the original author of the law. Okay. Jesus has always been. So, so Jesus knew what the law said and he turns it back around on this guy and he says, well, let me answer your question with a question. And he says, what does the law say? And then I love this. Then he doubles down and he says, how do you read it? He was doing some digging. He's like, I know you know what the law says, but my bigger question is, is how do you read it, son? What is it speaking to you? Really what Jesus was trying to do, he was trying to challenge this guy and he was trying to get him to give himself a heart check. And that's ultimately what he's trying to do with us. When Jesus speaks to us, whether it be in his word or through a relationship that we have, he's always trying to challenge our way of thinking. And he's trying to get us to evaluate our own heart. So just a couple of questions that I would serve up. When you read the Bible, consider, do I allow the word to read me or do I simply read the word? Because there's a difference. It's not just a book. It's not just a book. If you're just opening it to read it like a book, you're missing the point. James one says it's a mirror that we look into. So the ultimate goal of reading the word is to allow it to read us and show us what we need to adjust in our lives. So always hang on to that. And then number two would be similar. Jesus asked our gent, how do you read it? What's my filter when I read the Bible? What's my filter when I read the Bible? I mean, ultimately, am I just trying to figure out a way to possibly manipulate the word to make it work for me? Or am I taking the time to really dive in and ask the word to work on me? Because that's the goal. That's the goal. And then here's what's interesting. Argent Harry was reading through a selfish filter. Hey, I find myself in that. Sometimes I read the word through a selfish filter. You know, I, I look at Ephesians 5. It tells me to love my wife like Christ loves the church. But for some reason, my eyes are drawn to that part that says she's supposed to respect me. Don't we all do that? Has anybody in here besides me ever paid their tithe and then said, now God, your words, you know. <laughs> I've had my eye on that brand new four door Jeep with 36 inch Mickey Thompson's. I'm just saying, I actually gave 11 and a half percent today. It's just small, but you know, um, that's wrong. That's not even in my note, y'all. I'll show you. It's not even in here, but our gent had a very selfish filter. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And ultimately, that's what Jesus wanted to change in him. Because I see the parable of the Good Samaritan as so much more than just something that tells us to be nice to people. Ultimately, I see the Good Samaritan as a strategy for evangelism. And evangelism starts in the heart. And that's why Jesus is after this man's heart. 
just like he's after our heart because evangelism starts here. So back to our gent in the story. Uh, it says that, that he answered from the Old Testament and he answered perfectly. Love the Lord your God with everything, basically. That's Deuteronomy 6, 5, right after the Ten Commandments. And then he says, love your neighbor like yourself. That's Leviticus 19, 18. Um, and Jesus knew that this guy was thinking, man, I've nailed this. And Jesus wasn't trying to insult him or set him up. Sometimes we think that Jesus talks to us that way. Jesus never tries to insult me or embarrass me. Ever. He never tries to set me up for failure. He will never do that to you. And he wasn't trying to do that to this guy either. He really wasn't trying to set him up for failure and embarrass him in front of his peers. He was trying to get him into a place where he would begin to look at his own heart. Just remember, that's ultimately what it's about. It's about a change of heart. And so Jesus decided to do something really cool. He decided to go fishing. And Jesus knew what bait to fish for. You see, this guy, as a religious expert, uh, it was really in that, in that era for these folks, it was really all about me being holy enough to get eternal life. And Jesus knew that. And they kind of wanted everybody to see that they were worthy of eternal life. It was kind of a show. It was kind of, hey, look at me. And Jesus knew that this guy thought that way. So he just takes and he casts some bait right in front of him and plops it down in front of him. But also that he can change his, art, his heart. And can I just say this? Uh, Jesus knew what bait to fish with. Uh, if I got any fishermen in the room, you know, if you're fishing for bass, you don't fish with stink bait that goes to the bottom of the lake. And if you're fishing for catfish, you don't use a topwater lure. You might occasionally catch some fish that way, but you got to use the right bait. And Jesus knew what bait to fish with. I think sometimes we don't think about the bait that we're using as we navigate life. Uh, we use the wrong bait. We use bait that Christians like. Like, I know I can get over here and I can talk with Jarvis and I can talk with his lovely bride a certain way and I can speak in Christianese and, and mean it, by the way, and it's a good thing. It's a good moment. But to speak that way to somebody that has absolutely zero idea who Jesus is, that's the wrong bait. I mean, myself, for example, at 19, uh, I had lived an interesting life from about 15 to 19, and I had a whole lot of people that meant well, by the way. I know they meant well that would tell me, if you don't change, you're going to go to hell. It was the wrong bait for me. I thought I was living in hell. I mean, I mean it. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if any of you have ever scrounged for a sandwich in a dumpster. <laughs> you don't feel like you get much lower than that. Or when you look in the mirror and appreciate that the reason you ate out of a dumpster was so that you could spend the $2 that you had on your pocket on a beer. It doesn't get much lower than that. And folks were using the wrong bait. Truth be told, it took another brother at a place that I finally ended up going to work. He wasn't even fishing for me. He was fishing for somebody else. And the bait that he used was the goodness of God. That, that God had a plan for him and that God loved him and that God wanted to remove the weight of his sin and give him a promised hope and offer him eternal life. That was the bait that he used for him. And it was so attractive that I swam over to the bait. So maybe you need to change the bait. Just a thought. Just a thought. Back to our gent. And we're going we're gonna to jump into fishing a little bit later again, by the way. Um, so our expert of the law, man, he couldn't walk away at that. Jesus had already told him. 
you're good. If it's all about you, if it's just all about your personal inheritance in heaven, you're good. And I think that sometimes we can end up in that same place too. But this guy needed to justify himself is what our text says. Our text said that he needed to justify himself. I think that he needed to justify himself to himself. Sometimes we do that. But he also wanted everybody around him to see, look, I'm justified. I've done everything in the law. I'm pretty amazing. And I just want everybody else to hear it and know it. Because he knew that he had followed the letter of the law to be this religious expert. He had to have done that. And so then Jesus takes and sets the hook by telling this guy a parable that hinged on things that this religious expert held sacred and true. And he challenged it. This is an important piece that we, need to, that we need to hold on to in this. We often talk about how the Jews didn't like the Samaritans, and that's very factual. That's very true. Um, but the Samaritans didn't like the Jews either. There was no love lost between them. And sometimes we miss that. As a matter of fact, we're going to see it later in, in, in this message. But if you back up to Luke 9.51, so really just a few verses. I mean, this is Luke 10. In Luke 9.51, Jesus is actually headed to Jerusalem. It says that it's his final, his final trip to Jerusalem. And he's going to prepare for his crucifixion. And the shortest route was through Samaritan territory. And, and it says in Luke 9 that Jesus tells his disciples... Hey, go down there to that, to that Samaritan territory and prepare the way. Tell them I'm coming. And it says that they basically said, no, we don't want you here, Jesus. We're not going to make any room for you. And so it says Jesus had to reroute and go to another village so consider his disciples who already knew all that, who were sitting in the same environment. And so this Jewish man would have been taught that his neighbors were those that were just like him, good religious people. People that he went to temple with, people that he did business with, because he wouldn't do business with people that weren't like him he would stay separate and set apart from them. So ultimately, uh, that's the best way to say that. Ultimately, whether or not you would love your neighbor was predicated on whether or not their actions deserved for them to be loved. Does that make sense? And so the question that served up is, is who is my neighbor? I mean, we can kind of see where this guy is going. He's like, oh, you mean love all the people that have been good to me, that love me, that think like me? Is that what you're asking me, Jesus? Is that what? Because I know I've nailed that. And can I just say that that's that justifying piece? And I think we can all be guilty of that. I've done it. I just mentioned a moment with my wife. You know, I'll be like, well, man, Lord, I know you. I see that it says love her like that, but she disrespected me. Just saying try to justify it. So that's why I was short with her. I mean, you get me, you feel me, right? Or how about when you're driving down the highway? This one burns up almost everybody in this room. So if you say it doesn't, 
man, Pastor Don's going to pray for you when he gets back. When you're in that lane and like everybody knows that lane's going to close. Oh yeah. You know where I'm going. Let me just stick your toes out there. Cause I'm going to step on them. And that car, you see that car and they break rank like 12 cars behind you. And you're like, ah, oh, I'm not letting it happen. I've never done that, but my wife is terrible about it. Y'all, she ain't the sweet thing y'all think she is. I'm just saying. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. And they get up beside you, and then to add insult to injury, they've got a bumper sticker for the person you didn't vote for. And you're like, oh, this is a holy mission right now. I will slay you in Jesus' name. Four cylinder. I'm God, give me turbo. I mean, it's bad. Y'all are bad. And then you're like, I mean, Jesus, right? You didn't want me to let that person in. They voted for the devil. I just did you a favor. I didn't need to let them in. Our last one, last one. This one's good too. Uh, maybe I only have this neighbor. How about that neighbor that's got the little poodle or the little lasso opso? It's always them little fluffy dogs, a lasso poo, a poo opso. I don't know what you call them. And they walk their dog by your yard. Let the leash out a little bit further. Like, you know, you know they ain't looking at the birds in the sky. You can see them on your ring doorbell. The dog gets up in your front yard and leaves a little steaming pile of Puopso fertilizer in your front yard. And then they do this. They act like they're, oh yeah, I'm picking that up. They don't even have a bag on their hand. They don't even try to pick it up. You're like, I'm going to say something through the ring doorbell. I'm going to tell them. I mean, Jesus, we're okay with that, right? I mean, look what they let their dog do in my front yard. They didn't even try to clean it up. I mean, that's not my neighbor, is it? Who's my neighbor? So who's my neighbor? That's a great question. And in this part of the parable, I got to tell you, something really bothered me here. I looked at it in nine different translations. Who is my neighbor? Uh, only in one translation did I find where it says it was a Jewish man that got beat up. That's in the NLT, by the way. Uh, every other translation says something different other than the NLT. And so I did a lot of digging on that y'all cause it bothered me. Like I like details I like details. I want to know. And in my mind, it had to have been a Jewish man cause this is a Samaritan. So it must've been a Jewish man, but our text just doesn't say it. Go and Google it. Cause ultimately what Jesus was trying to get us to see is that our neighbor is every person. It says so in verse 30. I'll tell you how. It says, a man. Other translations say, a certain man, a specific man. But nowhere in the original text does it say, a Jewish man. Jesus actually used the word anthropos, which means humankind, male and female. Like he could have said, a Jewish man. But I think ultimately, because remember, Jesus is after the heart. I think that he was talking specifically to that individual and he knew that that individual would go, well, it had to have been a Jewish man. But I think that he would be doing the same thing to us today. Who is it? It's any and every person. And probably even the people that you least suspect. 
but it is every single person, all of humanity. And the problem was, is that, is that our gent here was trying to figure out who he could remove from his list. And Jesus was wanting to get him to a place where he would try to figure out who he could put on his list, which is ultimately what he's asking us to do. Because ultimately the right question isn't who is my neighbor. The right question really should be who can I be a neighbor to? Now we're going to look at some things about what that looks like. The reason I shared with you about that Luke 951 is because I want to give you some food for thought. Jesus didn't hold a grudge and neither should we. As we begin to look for people to be neighbors to, Jesus didn't hold a grudge and neither should we. Uh, we don't have time, time to go through all the texts, but you can go back and look. It's Luke 9, 51 through 56, where it talks about them saying, Jesus, we don't want you here. So consider the mindset of the disciples who were standing right there with Jesus when he serves up this Samaritan as a hero. Like they were angry. Our text actually says that when they said, get on out of here, we don't want you. <laughs> the disciples went, Oh, you want us to call down fire from heaven, Jesus? We're just going to smoke them. Let's just, let's just have a heathen barbecue right now. Boom. That's what the text says. And instead, Jesus says, I need to get their hearts too. How about the hero of my story are the very people that just rejected me? And here's why that gets so important. If we're not careful, we can let a grudge in our heart, something that somebody did, a person that voted differently than you, a group of people that voted differently than you, a group of people that have more melanin in your skin, in their skin, a group of people that have less melanin in their skin. If we begin to hold a grudge against a few individuals like that, then we will completely forget an entire demographic and group of people if we hold a grudge. And so we got to let that go so that we can figure out how to get people on our list. Now I want to talk a little bit about ultimately why I think we don't stop. Pastor Cody talked about how he used to stop more. And I want to talk about the three reasons. I mean, we had a priest and a Levite that didn't stop. And I want to talk about the reasons that we don't stop. The three primary reasons that I see that have at least been true in my life. Number one, I just don't have time for this. I just don't have time for this. We wear busy as a badge of honor. And we feel like if we just aren't just so busy that we're not accomplishing what we need to accomplish, that we're not being effective. It's almost like it's an embarrassment. It becomes this, you talk to somebody and, hey, how are you doing? I'm busy. I say it all the time, guys. <laughs> I'm busy. Oh yeah, I'm busy too. I mean, you know, I, I worked 82 hours today. What? Worked 80? Well, I worked 83 and a half because I didn't sleep. I mean, it's just, and busy has created this environment where we're running at a hundred miles an hour. And can I tell you that a hundred miles an hour is a great pace if you're on a NASCAR track somewhere? But if that's what you're doing in your life, then the people around you are just blurs. You don't even see them. I mean, like you see them, but you don't see them. You just, you just see an inconvenience. Just a, an, a, 
you don't see it as an opportunity. I can't stop. I don't have time. And truth be told, when we get in that zone, I really don't think that it's intentional. I really don't. I I believe the best that most of y'all are really good folks. And like you want to help people. And like if you're on your way to church on Sunday, you'll stop to help that little old lady with her flat tire. But in that pace of a hundred miles an hour, we just can't see him. Sometimes it's intentional, but I don't believe it always is. It's just, it's just a side effect of being so busy and moving so fast. Our to-do list is just so full. I mean, think about it. But I want to see that the key to evangelism is being on mission while we're on task. The key to evangelism is being on mission while on task. We can do both. Verse 33 says, but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him, he was on a task. He had to get to Jericho, but he was also on mission. Now, how do I know he was on task? If you do any research on this passage of scripture, uh, it says that they went, they were going down to Jericho. Well, there was other ways to get from Jerusalem to Jericho, but the direct path was down. Literally. It was a treacherous path. It was a steep incline. It was rocks everywhere, but there were also these caves and in these caves, robbers would hide. Like it was known for this. Like if you were in Jerusalem, you knew that it was a really bad idea to take this path. So the only reason you would take this path is if you really had to get to Jericho. I mean, you had a very full to-do list and you had to get to Jericho. So you had to take that path because you couldn't take the long way around that was going to take extra time. And that's what our gent here was doing. So he was on task. I mean, he had to get there. It was important. He was busy, but he decided to be on mission. And ultimately remember this, that vision for the lost and hurting has to happen for evangelism to happen. It's all about a vision for the lost and hurting. And so my question would simply be, are you looking? Are you looking? Man, I have to adjust that in my world all the time. And then number two, in that busy lane, when we do do that on purpose, we get so busy and we, (laughs) we go, man, Lord, you know how busy I am. (laughs) You know. Like you gave me this crazy calendar, didn't you? Wasn't I supposed to say yes to everything? Surely you're going to send somebody else. I mean, this must not be my ministry moment because you know how busy I am. So you're going to send somebody else. So I'm good. Somebody else will handle it. I'm just going to keep on trucking. But if you remember, Pastor Eric said, we are all some people. I think that sometimes we forget that very possibly maybe the reason that God put us on that path was so that we would bump into that person at the gas station that we see with their hands down. I mean, with their head down in their hands, very, very possibly the reason that we went to that restaurant that had that wait into that wait staff individual that totally butchered the order because they were up all night crying. Maybe God put us on that path and we are somebody. Instead of thinking God's going to bring somebody else, it's just a thought. And then the third reason 
uh, Pastor Cody talked a little bit about this is, is that we often feel like we're not equipped for this. We just feel like we're not equipped for this. We don't want to be embarrassed. I've been there. I don't want to be embarrassed. I definitely don't want to be guilty of misrepresenting God and messing somebody else up even more. Sometimes that goes through my head. And man, Lord, what if I go over there and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, I'm an atheist. Get out of here. I, you know, I, I run all these crazy scenarios in my head and I'm like, man, Lord, I'm not equipped for this. That dude doesn't even look like me. I mean, he doesn't even have a tattoo. How am I supposed to talk to him? I, in those moments, that's where we step out in faith. That's where we step out in faith and we just engage. Hey, can I pray for you? Oh man, how about that coworker? I know you just went through a divorce. Can I tell you about a divorce group at our church? I mean, like God's not asking you to do everything. He's just asking you to do something and he'll move through you if you let him. Remember, you're anointed to heal. So where do we look for people? Where do we look for the people to be our neighbors? So where to look for people in need of a neighbor? Let's look back at our story here. Verse 33 says, but a Samaritan as he traveled, we already covered this a little bit, but it's the roads we travel every day. We are really bad about compartmentalizing. Like we have our work box, we have our family box, we have our Jesus box, we have our Sunday's Jesus day. You know, we've got our, I'm a sport parent box. And we keep those things separate. And so sometimes we miss the opportunities that we have on every single path that we travel every single day. I think that oftentimes we miss the biggest one, which is the work environment. You know, it's very possible. <laughs> I hear guys talking and they'll tell me, ah, Jesus just needs to give me a new job. My boss is terrible. Work is terrible. It's all terrible. It stinks. And I'm like, you ought to be excited to go to work every day. It sounds like God's put you somewhere where he needs to shine. But you're so lost and focused on how bad it is that you can't even go in there and be salt and light. Maybe God gave you that job and he's not trying to remove you from that job. He's trying to get you to be on mission. And he's given you an opportunity to change somebody's life. Man, but we miss it. I've been guilty of it. Real quick story. Uh, I used, there was a season in life. I worked three jobs and went to night school. It was a terrible season. And one of the places I worked was a pet store that had these ginormous snakes and I like, like big 12 to 20 footers and big, huge tarantulas. And believe it or not, they had a hard time finding people that wanted to clean the cages and feed them. Go figure. Uh, so they offered to pay me cash and I took it and I would go in on Sundays after church. So the guy that owned it gave me some flexibility in that. And I always wanted to go in and be on mission. The manager was his sister-in-law and she would kind of poke at me about being a Christian. I, and I think really ultimately she was just upset that I had some freedom and there was some favor on me and her brother-in-law would kind of let me do what I could when I could. And so she'd say things, oh, a church boy finally showed up. Must be nice, church boy. And I knew that I needed to be nice to her, not just to be nice but to be on mission. And one day we're in the back. I'm in the back warehouse. She's smoking a cigarette. I'm cleaning out. She always gave me the nastiest cages to clean. Um, and the Lord told me she's pregnant. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then he told me, I want you to go tell her that if she doesn't quit smoking, 
her baby's going to have asthma real bad. And it wasn't like he was saying, I'm going to curse her with asthma. It, it wasn't that, okay? It was like God was wanting to show up in her life and save her from the misery of having a baby that had asthma. And I'm like, man, daddy, I can't go tell her that. She might stab me. <laughs> and like, I go over and tell her and she did, uh, she didn't receive it very well. Told me to mind my own business. Uh, I offered to pray with her cause God had delivered me from a three pack a day habit. And she was like, why don't you just shut up and get out my face? So I left a couple weeks later, jobs changed. Two years later, I'm sitting on my couch at home at night, the phone rings and it's her. She said, I was just sitting up giving our son another breathing treatment. He has several a day. I turned on the TV and there's a TV preacher on. He told me to pray this prayer for I wanted to give my life to Jesus. So I did. And then he said, now I want you to call somebody that you know is a Christian and tell them what you just did. And she said, the only person I knew was you. So I'm calling and I know there's no reason you'd want to talk to me. Her family got saved. Their friends got saved. Sherry and I got to go pray for that little two-year-old. God healed him from asthma. And that was a terrible job. Just a thought. You got to look for opportunities to be a neighbor. You got to look for opportunities to be a neighbor. I know you're thinking, well, it's easy for you. You're a pastor. But it's really ultimately what Jesus calls all of us to do. I'm going to prove it. Mark 1, 16 through 17, as I land the plane, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. See, we're back into the fishing thing. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. He said, if you follow me, I will send you out to fish for people. Other translations say, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then back to that, it's really about every one thing, not just a specific person. These were fishermen that were fishing with nets. Fishermen that fish with a pole use a specific type of bait to catch the type of fish that they want to catch. But fishermen that fish with a net catch every single kind of fish in the net. The net is not discriminatory. They catch every single kind of fish. So just remember, followers are fishers, and that is a good thing. So many times I think the turmoil that we see in our own lives is all because we're so focused on self. If we're not on a mission that's bigger than ourself, then it's all about us. The next promotion, the next raise, how mean that person was to me, how terrible the food was at the restaurant. It just that's what we get zoned in on because we're not looking for the mission around us and appreciating that God has some providence and put us where we're at. We only see the inconvenience and the pain. My man JJ here <laughs> worked really hard, saved us some money, bought his wife a really nice car with all sorts of buttons in it. And guys, if y'all want to come out, you can. Um, really nice car and he's driving her car. As a matter of fact, he's going to do something sweet for her in her car while he's driving her car and somebody hits him. Yeah. Ah, man, somebody hit the new whip and it wasn't his whip. It was his woman's car. 
that's double bad. And, and he's calling me, he's telling me the story. And he goes, man, I got to tell you, my flesh was like, I'm going to get out and be like, I'm going to go hood. You know, <laughs> I'm saved and sanctified. Jesus will forgive me for smacking you. I, you know, but he knew that that was wrong. And so he stopped and he prayed, Lord, make this about something else. How can I be here for this man? What does this man need in this moment? And when he did the inconvenience of having to find a body shop, somebody to buff it out, all of that faded away because JJ stopped to appreciate that he could fish in that moment. He got to pray with this guy that hit him. Don't you think that probably melted that guy's noodle? That guy knew that it was his fault. And here's this guy going, man, are you okay? Can I pray for you after you just hit my wife's nice shiny car? Because he was fishing as a follower of Christ. So two things to do really quick to guarantee successful fishing. Earnestly ask God to put people on your path. Earnestly ask God to put people on your path. Just ask him every morning. Lord, put some folks on my path today. Who, who can I be a neighbor to today? And then number two, slow down and intentionally look for the people on your path. If you're asking God to put them there, he'll put them there. But you got to be moving at a pace where you're on mission while you're on task. So those are just some thoughts. But all of this, all of this, every opportunity, every moment we have is about helping other people connect to Christ. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.